For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers powered by together credit union empowering you to achieve your financial goals it is the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton and for jamie rivers uh, filling in this week because unfortunately our friend uh, jamie had to go back up to canada but that gives us the opportunity to speak to mr Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider for 101 ESPN and Blues Beat Writer for The Athletic. JR, it's great to have you, man. Oh, I apologize in advance. The ratings won't be very good for this one. I listen to you guys all the time. I love it. Can I tell you why I love the Last Minute Blues podcast? Because it's just so free. You guys just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, You know... Over the years, I've probably loosened up a little bit, but I'm just so tight and rigid, and and you get the information out there and give them the stats, and then, uh, you know, I listen to you guys, and it's just it's it's a party. Like you guys are having a blues party, just talking about the big topics. It is it is just a ridiculous amount of fun. <laughs> like like that's it. I mean, I the the last thing I want to do is have something else to do on my schedule. But, like, when we just get into the room to kind of talk about whatever, it's just a great time. And then also, too, man, you know, Jeff and I were always very conscious and cognizant of the fact that, like, we're not experts. We know we're not experts. We just love the freaking blues. So just making sure that people know that we don't think we're on the mountaintop of knowledge or information, that we're just here, like, essentially in place of them. You know what I mean? Of, of any blues fan. That, but that makes it really good, too. And the other aspect that I really like listening to is uh, you guys are fans. And, you know, I'd listen to you and Jeff. And, you know, even when you, quote, unquote, these are your words, you know, fanboy out on, on some things, that's cool because, you know, being the beat writer of a team for 18 years, I think it is this year, you try to distance yourself even though I grew up in St. Louis, I had blues posters and jerseys, you know, from being a fan, because I feel like you can't be an objective reporter if you're doing that. I, Donnie, I've gone as far as to I don't want pictures with my son and his blues jerseys. But finally, I, I had a, a, a situation where, you know, somebody here in St. Louis came to me and said, your son's from St. Louis, right? And I said, yeah, he's a blues fan, right? Let him wear a blues jersey. Nobody thinks that you're not being objective yeah. just because. But that's hard, though, hard. man. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I can't imagine the position that you're in even because that that's one of the things about this that I, one of the things about working on the sports side um, that I have enjoyed so far is that I'm not so deep in it that I see all of the inner workings like I do on the music side of things. You know what I mean? Because I go backstage and I see the tour managers and I do all that kind of stuff. And it has really taken a lot of the fun out of that part for me. So this part, you know what I mean? Like with this podcast, I get to kind of go to the edge, but never full on see that other side. No, it's great. You guys do a great job. This is such an honor to be a part of it, and uh, it's going to be fun to wrap with you about what's going on with the Blues. Well, thank you, and we're going to do that in a second, but we normally start this out with me complaining about something. (laughs) That's really kind of how the genesis, and and I do have something today. And Jeremy, I know I've known you for a while. You're a very nice guy, and I'm just so curious as how you would handle this particular situation that I'm dealing with right now. So I live in South County. Uh, The neighborhood in which that I live in, I really like a lot. But the neighbor behind us is giving me some troubles lately. 
uh, last Saturday morning, I think around 8.15, he was mowing the lawn and using the blower, all right? His backyard faces our back window, which we had opened because the weather was wonderful, all right? So woke up on a Saturday morning. All right, well, I don't love that. This morning, Jeremy, this morning, <laughs> oh. 6.05, 6.05, he was using the blower oh, on his back goodness. patio porch thing, whatever. <laughs> I got out of bed. I opened the window the rest of the way because it was halfway open. I said, no worries. I wasn't trying to sleep. Oh, that's awesome. And then there was there was silence. How would you as a nice, normal, plugged-in person <laughs> handle somebody that is doing that? Because listen I, listen, I don't know what the guy's got going on. Maybe he's busy all the time. I don't want to be mean, but at the same time, bro, 605. 605. No, this is great. First of all, I thought you were going to go Ryan Reeves on him for a minute. <laughs> I'm glad that you kind of took the subtle, hey, not trying to sleep over here. Not trying to sleep. I'll go sarcastic first just because I'm not a fighter, Jeremy. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm proud of you for doing that because uh, I don't want to go Dr. Phil on you here, but I, it's just this fault. You know, I, I don't say anything. We got a guy who lives across the street, leaves at 6.30 every day and, you know, has this, you know, rocket of a sports car, he thinks, and revs it up and has to peel out out of his driveway at 6.30. I'm kind of using it as my alarm clock now. You know, th- th- that's when I get up because of uh, his car taking off. So there's part of me that wants to do the old cartoon thing and put the banana peel or three stooges, put the <laughs> banana peel in, in the muffler, but I can't get myself to do it. Right. You know, I want to throw tire tracks out there, something. I want to go out there at 6.25, five minutes before he leaves, and just say, dude, come on. But, you know, so to give you, you know, your answer, I, I just I don't have the personality to say anything to anybody. So I would be the guy who, oh, I guess I'm up now, you know, and, and not go out there and yell. So, so you think that when you said that, he turned it off and... I don't don't know if it was because of me or if he was just done. I fully expect, like this Saturday morning when I'm, you know, getting some good Saturday Zs for him to (laughs) fire this whole thing up again and do it all over again. And the thing that sucks, man, is like, I love yard work. It's one of my favorite things to do. There's a time and a place, JR. <laughs> After 10 a.m., I think, is a real great place to start. Yeah, no, that's that's way too early. I mean, unless, unless, you know, it's uh, Sunday morning and you're still up from Saturday night drinking your last beer there you at 5.30, 6 o'clock in Whole the morning. Whole different yeah, thing. Yeah, different deal. And the worst part about it is that, um, so I've tried to be nice to these folks multiple times in the three years since, since we moved there, and they don't say anything to us. And I just want to like my neighbors. Yeah. You know, I'm a good neighbor. <laughs> I'm a nice guy, which I guess you would have a hard time imagining with me yelling at somebody this morning. But they even have like this, uh, they have this beautiful golden retriever and they have this hole in their fence. And sometimes the golden retriever gets in our yard, but she's the sweetest dog. I love it. I don't know why her humans stink so much, but, uh, <laughs> but I, 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 that was the first thing I thought of this morning. I was like, well, JR's going to be in. He's a nice guy. I got to ask him what he thinks. There. Yeah, unfortunately, I wouldn't say anything. I just grin and bear it type thing. Yeah. And there's honestly, there's there's times where in my life, I wish I could step up and say something, but I can't wait to hear the update on this. So yeah. maybe next week. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see where it goes, Jeremy. We'll see where it goes. I just want to sleep in on Saturdays. Yeah. And I'm not a, and seeing the thing that kicks, and we'll, we'll switch to blues here in a second, but like, I'm not a deep sleeper. Like, I just am not. You know what I mean? And so, like, it doesn't take much to get me perked up. But when this guy, again, blowing off the patio at 6.05 in the morning, 
please stop. I think that could be done at 10. Yeah, or, I just can't imagine this guy, you know, he's laying in his bed at 5.15. Well, I guess I'll get up and fire up the blower here. You know, like, <laughs> On a Thursday. Stop it. All right, so blues season right around the corner. I mean, we are, we are staring at it in the face, um, and I'm so excited. One, this – this Blues team in particular, obviously the Stanley Cup helped in 2019, but I have just been fiending to see these guys back since the playoffs were over. One of the first things that I want to ask you, Jeremy, is you you know, kind of just view the West with Perron's departure. How do you handicap this Blues team going into this year? Because I still think they're very good. But I still think Colorado is very, very good. I just kind of wonder where we stand in that whole thing. Yeah, for sure, Donnie. Before a thought or two, I got to say that I love following you on Twitter, social media, because you get me revved up. Like, there's, you know, this is your number 18, and, you know, you're in the summer and you're appreciating the fact that you don't have to go to the rink every day and that, you know, you're. You're out with the kids at their ball games and things like that, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, right before training camp, probably about September eighth ish, I'll see this uh, tweet from Donnie. I am so excited about this season Let's coming go. up, and I'm like, oh, it must be time. Donnie's getting ready. I guess I better quit going to these games. But one uh, of these days, I'm going to not take sports so seriously. Yeah. I don't know when that'll be, but maybe <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> it's great, and not just the preseason stuff, but you know, uh, midseason. Somebody scores a goal, and I got you on the Twitter feed. And, what a shot! All caps from the Donnie account. It's awesome. I love it. But no, I think this team, you go into the season and look every year, the biggest thing is, you know, you got to be healthy. And what did Doug Armstrong do in the off season? And, you know, every year is different. Um, this year is the same. It's, it's different. Uh, it, it's, it's uh, David Braun's gone. And that's a big thing, right? I mean, I, I don't often stick my neck out, but down the hallway here on 101 ESPN, um, you know, leading up to Prawn's departure, they were asking, you know, Hey, what's going on with that? And, you know, I, I would say, you know, if I can't, I can't guarantee something, but I would almost guarantee David Perron will be back, and then, whoosh, you know, he's, yeah, we all thought that he, he's gone. Yeah, and and so I just felt like they'd figure out a way to get it done. They didn't, and now he's in Detroit. So, you know, the new sixty-five million dollar man, Jordan Cairo, is going to step up and and you know try to fill that void with David Perron left and uh, gone, and and so Donnie, he's going to get some more ice time. We saw that skill develop last year. Uh, with his seventy plus points, you got Robert Thomas, the other sixty five million dollar guy and and so anyway, you know I think there are some guys who can fill that void. The one thing I've learned over the years is, oh my gosh, you can't lose David Backus, and then you lose him and you fill it in. yep, you know you can't lose david Perron, and and I love David Perron. I wish he weren't gone, uh, but somehow some way they figure out a way, and a lot of times Doug Armstrong, he's done his homework on all this stuff, he's looking at the analytics you know down the road, seeing how things could work out, and he makes good decisions here, so you know to answer your question. You know, I like this team. There's a lot of depth up front. You got four good defensemen who can move the puck. They're veterans. Uh, they can log a lot of minutes. And if, huge if, Jordan Bennington can play like he did in the playoffs last year, and I did a piece on him the other day at The Athletic, he seems to be finding himself again after a tough last season. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think this team can be right there in the conversation with uh, the three or four best in the West. Well, he made a couple of saves the other night in the preseason really game that, that seemed like they were – almost mid-season saves, which was really wonderful to see. Yeah, so I had a chance to sit down with him for about 30 minutes the other day, and, you know, bottom line, just kind of put it in a nutshell here, is uh, he said that going into the Stanley Cup, he was so upset, disappointed, frustrated with, you know, not only the Blues organization didn't give him a chance up until that point. Uh, you know, he, he just didn't have an opportunity, thought he was ready for it, and it wasn't there. So there was this anger, this chip on his shoulder, and I know you've talked about it, and, and he, he played with that. And so that was kind of his personality. So they win a cup. 
You know, he accomplishes that goal. Then his next goal is he wants to be an all-star. He's got that. So then he gets the contract, six times uh, six, $36 million. And he told me that he just couldn't find that motivation because his motivation was anger. It was the chip. Yeah, it was the chip. And it was gone. Like, I can't play with a chip on my shoulder if there's no chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And, and so that's what it was. So last year, uh, you know, he had the covid uh, Huso starts playing well. Fans are chanting Huso at Enterprise Center. Jordan Bennington's sitting on the bench. And he said, I just had to learn to play with love. You know, find a different type of motivation. I know it's hard for any of us to understand what that means or, you know, how he can go out and play a goal with a different personality. But uh, anyway, I felt like he came clean. He said, that's what was bugging me last year, and that's what I'm trying to change this year. I mean, but that makes a ton of sense. I mean, logically speaking, that really... And also, too, the goaltending position being the mental gymnastics position in which that is, where one game you give up six and then all of a sudden you got to let it roll off your back <laughs> and be ready for two nights. I mean, that's that. I, I, that's just a very special position to me to be able to, to excel at. I mean, there's really not anything else in sports that's even really like that. No, the only other thing I can think of that's remotely close to it is sports writing. You write like four bad articles and then you got to come back and the pressure's on to finally write a good one. And, you know, it's gone like months before somebody says, hey, good article. <laughs> you know, what? unfortunately, one of the things that we've seen this week is Scott Perunovich go down. Uh, again, and the way in which that it's being spoken of right now, you know, it could end up being nothing. But when you see Craig Berube say today, which I believe that, you know, maybe there'll be an update tomorrow or the next day, this is probably not looking good for the young man, is it? Yeah, right. So as you know, hockey's so quiet with their injuries, right? Like yeah. if uh, I remember Cardinal baseball, like Lance Berkman blows his knee out and uh, he's on camera after the game telling reporters that he just had an MRI and here's the results. Hockey's way different, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's secret. Uh, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. So the situation with Perinovich, he leaves the preseason game the other night with what looks like a arm, wrist, you know, somewhere in there. And he leaves the game, and we haven't heard anything from the Blues in a couple of days. So t- today, Craig Bruby says that uh, still being evaluated, should know more in the next couple of days, like you said. But when you're a reporter who covers hockey, covers the Blues, whenever the coach is kind of vague and sounds pessimistic, and he said, this guy's worked so hard to get to this position, and now he's going to have to sit for a little bit, he knows what's up, right? Yep. You know, I've talked to – you know, you talk to Riv all the time. I've talked to former players, and I said – now, when the coach comes out 48 hours later and says he still doesn't know, when did he actually know? Yeah. And they say, well, about 10 minutes after the injury <laughs> sure, happened. Sure. And, and, and so, you know, don't get me wrong. I've done my due diligence. I've made some phone calls. But, you know, at the moment, what I'm being told is that he's, uh, he's being looked at. You know, so kind of what Craig Bruby said. So we'll find out. But, yeah, this is, a, this is a loss. I mean, I know he really hasn't established himself yet. But, you know, they're already thin on defense with Scandella being out and, and so, uh, you know, tight against the cap, so it's hard to go do something. So right. bottom line, you hope the best for Prunovich, but it doesn't sound positive. Crestwood Dental Group, a proud sponsor of the Last Minute Blues podcast. Listen, if your family needs a dentist, you should go where me and my family go. Crestwood Dental Group, Dr. James Maxwell, they are going to take absolutely, unbelievably great care of you. Dr. Maxwell is always looking for the latest and the newest in dental technologies, trying to make things easy on you. Also, their staff at Crestwood Dental Group, they are amazing. They understand that most of us don't love going to the dentist. Some of us have anxieties about it, and they do everything they can to inform you on what's going on, let you, you know, you you 
absolutely are sitting there knowing what's about to happen, so you're not freaked out by anything. They are just a tremendous group of people, and they're going to treat your family the same way that they treat mine. Crestwooddental.com, or you can give them a call at 314-463-5655. That's 314-463-5655. Crestwood Dental Group, Dr. James Maxwell, one of the proud sponsors of the Last Minute Blues podcast. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I don't remember which playoff game that I went to last year, but obviously it was after Krug uh, had gotten hurt. And watching Perunovic run that power play, wow. Yeah. For such a young guy, the ability to, I mean, it's it's their ability to like sort of telepathically know where the puck is going to go two or three moves away is so freaking unbelievable. To yeah. Me. Like his offensive ability is just top notch. And Donnie, not to take anything away from Tory Krug because he was on one of the best power plays in NHL history up there in Boston for a number of years. If you took Scott Pernovich and put Tory Krug's uniform on him, I don't think people would notice a difference running the power play. He's that good. Yeah. And, and when you take a guy who hadn't played in a couple months, uh, talking about Pernovich last year, Hadn't played since January. Playoffs roll around, and they just pop him in there, and he doesn't look like he's out of place. No. I mean, it was phenomenal. So, granted, that was just power play. They were playing seven defensemen at the time. He didn't have a lot of five-on-five five minutes, um, and his defensive game still you know, a little bit to be desired mm-hmm. with Scott Prinovich, but he was making strides. I was just at his locker stall last week. You know, he was bummed out about the injury label You know that he's kind of taken on here the past couple of years, and he was so excited. He said, I put a lot of time into my uh, defensive play this summer that I'm excited to show what I got, and now you're talking about a guy who's banged up again. So how do you view that bottom – so that – pretty much makes that bottom pairing then Bertuzzo and Mikola, right? Yeah, as you look at it uh, right now. So, yeah, you'll have the top four with uh, Letty and, and Pareko, and then you'll have uh, Krug and Falk. And then so you did have Scandella, Perinovich, Mikola, Bortuzzo. Now Bortuzzo and Mikola are the only two standing. They will play together uh, at the exhibition game tonight against Columbus. So it, you can tell that the Blues are trying to look at them as a pair. Not that they don't already know a lot yeah. about them, but, you know, get them playing together. Um, and then you got a guy, Callie Rosen, who was pretty good, you know, last year in spot duty. After him, you have Steven Santini. Um, but to me, the biggest question is, depending on how long Perinovich is out, let's just, you know, make up that he's going to be out long term, month, two months, three months, whatever. You know, Blues are going to have to do something. Yeah, you got a Callie Rosen who can step in, uh, but you have to move that Scandella money over to long term injury reserve. You're talking $3.275 million. And I'm not saying there are guys out there that can step in and really give you a boost. But they're going to have to look around because, I mean, if you're going to get defensive injuries, and, you know, I don't want to knock on wood with one of these guys, but, uh, you know, if one of those top four guys goes out, now all of a sudden you're moving Mikola up, you know, Rosen is a sixth guy, who's your seventh guy, this could really be an issue. So I, I, this might be a terrible comparison, but I feel like in the NHL you can never have enough defensemen like in, the, like in Major League Baseball, you can never have enough pitching. Right. You know what I mean? Like it just seems like – that that is just an area, and the Blues especially last year, because you know they kept going down to Springfield to get the Santinis and the Rosens of this world. But the one thing about those guys that I did see though is weren't they? And again, not sexy, but weren't they pretty steady? Rosen and Santini and the spot starts that they had to make. Yeah, yeah, and they got the job done. I, you know, I thought they were pretty impressive. Yeah, it reminds me back to uh, I started in 0506 and Larry Plo was the general manager, and uh, you know they'd get short defensemen, and you'd hear Larry Plo, "You can never have enough defensemen." <laughs> you know. And, and it was just, what, a couple of years ago where the Blues basically ran out. I mean, they were, like, trying to see if anybody from CBC or DeSmet could come in. And, <laughs> right, had some eligibility. Yeah, yeah. And, and play D. So, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, you know, you look at the situation. They had eight 
like eight strong, eight guys who could play in the NHL, eight one-way contracts, and now all of a sudden you're looking at six. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this could get a little salty if, uh, if they don't figure something out. Boy, oh, boy. Uh, one of my favorite, and I, tweet, this was, I tweeted this the other day, one of my favorite things about the St. Louis Blues right now is our coach. I love and I mean love Craig Berube. <laughs> I would run through a wall for that guy, and I don't even play for him. You know what I mean? You are a guy that gets to talk to him you know, after every practice, gets to interview him and those kinds of things. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look on Craig Berube? Because it feels to me that he puts on this sort of like tough interior, exterior, and not to say that he's not tough, but I feel like behind that is like just this really rad, funny Maybe even a little quiet, but just kind of a really rad guy. Can you kind of yeah, yeah, give yeah, us behind sure. the scenes a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Now, first, I got to say that uh, they did a poll the other day. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, it was most handsome NHL coaches, and they ranked them 1 to 32. And I can't remember where Craig was, but let's just say he was like 9 or 10. Um, <laughs> okay, so first and foremost, I am not a judge of handsomeness. Right. I'm not like I couldn't rank these guys. But they had Daryl Sutter number two. Oh, come on. Daryl Sutter. Come on. Uh, and we're talking like seven spots. <laughs> that, that sounds like a joke is what that sounds like. <laughs> well, you know, I'd be happy to be 32 on that list. But, uh, yeah, so Craig Bruby, uh, you know, I have found him to be great to work with. Uh, you know, Oscar Sunquist said this, I think, on an interview at 101 ESPN this past summer. He said at first he comes in in 2019 and he's laying the law down and you're kind of scared of him and afraid of him. And then he said after a year or two he's like a teddy bear you know obviously he had a situation where he had to come in there and take control but i think he earned their respect and obviously the stanley cup helps right you win that now all of a sudden you 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 got a guy who you really believe in he took you to the promised land that game seven speech by the way holy smoke i mean that's the best ever right oh man i mean even thinking about (laughs) it makes i can see your goosebumps there oh man like (laughs) that, that that just whole thing but because it still doesn't feel real, even all these years later. Yeah. Like, you can't believe that it actually really happened. And I feel like, Jeremy, tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like maybe a few years ago, there was, you know, I don't know how the best way to say this, but it feels as though the Blues' identity was the players. And I sort of kind of feel like now that the identity has moved on to Craig Berube's identity. Yeah, and they always say that the team takes on the personality of the coach, the identity. And I think that happened in that 2019 run. Granted, he was new on the job, but I think that, you know, that work been like, uh, hey, we're going to, you know, uh, respect each other and confident. You know, that's what he was instilling. Um, you know, the thing I like about him, and I hear this from the players for the past few years, is great communicator. Uh, he tells you where you're at, like if you need to know. Believe it or not, I mean, a lot of us on the outside, we wouldn't think this, but a lot of the coaches don't talk to the players and tell them exactly what they're thinking. I've huh. sat down at locker stalls with players trying to do an interview with them. So what's the coach telling you? I don't know. He hasn't talked to me in two weeks. Well, what does he want you to do? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to play better, but I don't know exactly what they're looking for. It's totally different with Craig Brewer. You sit down with Robbie Thomas and you say, what's going on? You know, you haven't scored in 15 games and – and he says, yeah, well, you know, you know, uh, Chief skated by today, and he said, you know, if you work on these three things, I think you could be in better shape. And so, you know, first and foremost, that's the thing. And I think that uh, he, he's clear, and he, he tells you and he tells the media, you know, what we need. He gives us good, insightful comments, but he doesn't tell you too much. I remember mm-hmm. the old days with Ken Hitchcock. 
He would do these press conferences. We would leave with way more than John Davidson and Doug Armstrong wanted us to know. And I'd get a text from J.D. that says, uh, you asked Hitch what time it was today, and he built you a watch. And and so I can only imagine that Doug Armstrong loves him because, you know, he doesn't have to worry about looking at Twitter and and reading these stories and finding out, you know, all this behind-the-scenes stuff because Craig does a real good job with it. Right. Well, and, you know, I was actually watching the the presser you guys had with, with Coach Berube today. And towards the end, somebody asked him about Clem Costin. And, um, I mean, I think that Coach was pretty direct in saying that he's not seeing enough out of Clem. He's not. And how many times has this been the thing with Clem Costin? You just wonder, like, what is it going to take to get this dude to do what they want him to do, which is seemingly just move his feet play hard, and consistently do those things. Yeah, so that comment today, that's exactly what I'm talking about with Craig Bruby. You know, he talks to the players, he communicates with them, they appreciate that. But then when he comes in and he talks with us and we ask a question, he's up front and says, we need to see more out of Clem Costin. He needs to be more engaged in the games, and I am not seeing that right now. So, you know, we got our recorders going, we love it, right? And and so, um, you know, with Clem, yeah, it seems like it's it's just taken a long time with him, right? The one thing that I know everybody knows this, but would just reiterate is, uh, you know, he came over at 18, 19 from Russia. A lot of the kids stay in Russia for a couple years before they're ready. Then they come. Mm -hmm. So the clock kind of started with him sooner in in fans' minds because he was here. You know, they saw him playing in the minor leagues and, you know, it wasn't really coming together. So I was willing to go along with what the Blues are saying for a couple years that, hey, look, he's taking this step. This is a good thing. Let's let him have that time. But then you get to a point where it's got to turn into something, and it hasn't. And, Donnie, you know, I'll never be accused of being an athlete anywhere close. I can't jump over a credit card. They time me with a calendar, you know, the whole nine (laughs) yards. But this is a situation where if you put me in a Blues uniform tonight against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and and earlier in the day you told the reporters that, well, we're just not seeing it, we're not engaged – they better watch out because I'd be hitting everything in sight. I'd be shooting everything in sight, and they'd have to pull me off the rink when the game was over because I'd just stay out. You know, so I just think that he's so close to the NHL. You know, give the coaches what they're hoping to see, and if he can't, then maybe he doesn't have it. Yeah, man, and it's also, also too. I mean, he's. I mean, this is a perfect. I mean, maybe not a perfect opportunity for him to break into the bottom six. But, I mean, it's a really good opportunity for him to do that. And at some point, I just start to wonder if maybe the change of scenery might be beneficial to him. Yeah, so you're right. Super good opportunity because the Blues' top six is set. When you're a team like the Blues and you spend all that money, six million, six five on like every guy up there in the top six, you know those spots are going to be pretty much uh, spoken for. But the bottom six, we're talking about Logan Brown might win the center position. So Costin's not a center; he couldn't you know fight for that. But there's a winger spot open on the third line too. You know we're talking about maybe Jake Neighbors taking that. Okay, so. Jake Neighbors is 20 years old, and you're Clem Cosson, and you're going to let this kid come on, come in and jump you on the depth chart and take over that wing spot, you know, which you know may or may not happen. Then you look at the fourth line. So hitting is supposed to be your thing, right? You go over to Russia during uh, COVID, and you play for the Russian team. You, you win a championship over there. And he had like 8, 10 hits per game. He was hitting everything in sight. Where is that? Like if you were doing that right here, uh, you'd be in. You'd have a spot on that fourth line. But instead, we're talking about Noel Achari. We're talking about Nathan Walker. You know, we're talking about Barbashev, who's been here a while. And we're talking about other guys. So he should be in that mix. And he hasn't put himself in that mix. Ah, I hate to hear that. <laughs> Just because, I don't know, man. I'm, I, I told I told uh, Jeff uh, at, at towards the end, I was like, hey, man. 
I'm going to pick up the cost and mantle for you. <laughs> I'm going to carry this thing. So we're we're freaking rooting for him. I I just I think what's so fascinating to me is is like you say is the puzzle pieces and how this all works. And then also one of the things that's so fascinating to me in talking about Costin and the maturity of players is just like you ne- like you never know. Like a 19-year-old could come in and seemingly be locked in and ready to go, but then there could be other guys that it takes them three, four, five, six years to figure it out, and eventually they do, but it's just the, you know, as a fan, I don't have the patience for that sort right, of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, and neither do the uh, execs, you know, with, with the Blues, because uh, they've put the time in, they've put the money, they've put the resources. they got a guy who's in charge of their player development, Tim Taylor, and, you know, he was down there in San Antonio talking to Clem Cosson after games, coaches talking talking to him and you know he's a good kid I've talked to him on a few occasions um you know English gotten better over the years and you know he's putting in all the time um and he's got the talent so you know I'm with you on this one Donnie it's just tough to figure out why it hasn't come together but each year for the past three years we've said that the opportunity is there and it was up to him to to seize it yeah yeah Uh, I want to ask you kind of an NHL uh, just an overall NHL thing and I don't know why I am so fascinated by this man I, I shouldn't be your neighbor, uh, but no, well, <laughs> him too. But Torts, John Tortorella in Philadelphia. How do you think that's going to work? Do you think it's going to work? Well, so they have big issues in Philly, right? I mean, a lot. Yeah, right? a lot. So the team's not good. You know, Mike Yo, the former Blues coach, goes in there and, you know, talking to him when he came into St. Louis, he just said, you know, very tough situation. So he's moved on. Tortorella takes over. I don't know. I'm not the one who wants to sit here and you know be critical of Tortorella because of who he's been over the years as a coach. Everybody knows you know his personality, and he's pretty out there. Um, I can't imagine that the Philly players, when they saw that, they were too excited yeah, no that Torts was coming in to be their coach. You see the first day, they're doing the mountains or whatever you want to call them, you know, up and down. Uh, lots of skating. You know, he said he's going to take control of that locker room. So I just can't imagine that that's a, a fun environment. And another thing, Donnie, is I'm sure you've had thoughts about this over the years, too. Like, I get it when coaches get recycled. You know, Ken Hitchcock bounced around, and then he was a great coach for the Blues, led mm-hmm. them further than they'd been since 2001. Um, but it just seems like towards, you know, come on, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just recycle. Um, so a lot of times what happens is you have a situation like they do in Philly. They want this hard ass to come in and – you know, bust some balls for a little bit, and then maybe they turn it over to another guy in a couple of years. Uh, but he's the guy right now, and uh, yeah. So it I, just it's just odd because Philadelphia is one of those teams that they're one of the few teams in the East that I kind of pay attention to. Whatever, kind of mildly root for him. Probably back from the Eric Lindros days when right. I was a kid. You know, but like, there's just something about that logo. There's just something about <laughs> it. You know, that I kind of want to see them succeed. Not more so than the Blues, but I just like you. I think of this and I go. The players are going to be like, you know what, we can wait this guy out. You know what I mean? Like, we can deal with this for however long we have to deal with this because it's, I just feel like, like you're saying, like, why doesn't somebody else get a shot? Yeah, and I'll, I'll add another uh, element here is uh, I went to CBC High School this summer for a session with uh, Ryan O'Reilly and his dad, Brian O'Reilly, and I ended up writing a story about it. So, Brian O'Reilly. It was O'Reilly, a great article, by oh, the way. Oh, thanks, Annie. Thanks. I don't know if you saw it, but yeah. um, so, real quick, you know, just a uh, nutshell is. You know, he's a psychological like life coach is is what he calls himself, and he has a couple hundred professional players that he deals with, talking to him on Zoom, talking to him on the phone, working through their issues that they might be having at the rink, you know, so on and so forth. And so what he says is, you know, that type of approach that Torts has 
it, it's, it's old school. It doesn't work. And you got to let the players know that you care about them and that you're trying to get to the answer. And he always talks about accentuating the positive. So don't go into a video room and say, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. Hey, find the good. Like, well, how do you envision your good? Like, what is your good? And then let's see more of that. Let's, that's, that's, that's what we want to bring out of you. And so, you know, I hope we get to a day where, you know, the yelling and screaming from the coaches is is, is gone. It seems like it would I'll probably be done <laughs> right in sports when yeah. that happens. But uh I really do I, I realize that, that Brian O'Reilly approach probably can't work all the time right. everywhere. You need some guys who need to be you know, chased after a little yeah, bit, but yeah. there could be a combination of the two things. It exactly. doesn't all have to be one or the other. Here's the thing: as I'm thinking of it while we're talking, you think Ryan O'Reilly signs again, stays in St. Louis? So I think so, yeah. And now we could go back to, to what, the Perron thing. We for could all go of us. back 25 <laughs> minutes to go to the Perron thing and say I guaranteed it. So I guarantee that Ryan O'Reilly will resign. And so I think so. Uh, he's the captain. He's a great captain. He's a good player. He's great for the organization. The other thing, though, is. You know, not that Perron was asking for a lot of money. I think he would have stayed here for less than he could have made somewhere else. Uh, but I do think with Ryan O'Reilly, he'll be 32 at the start of the next contract. He's been making 7.5 million for X amount of years here. Probably worth more than you know the 7.5 this last contract. But I think you can get him for three or four years. You know, I think you know maybe you give him a maybe a fifth year if you have to get the money down a little bit. And I think you can get him for five million dollars. Um, so a lot of people, hey, you're not going to be able to sign O'Reilly. Uh, he's going to cost six, seven, eight million dollars, and you're going to have to sign him for six years. I don't think it's going to take that. But the one thing is this: the salary cap's only going up about a million bucks next year, and mm-hmm. the Blues only have about fifteen million next year, and they only have thirteen players under contract. So you're talking about signing another seven players with that fifteen million. And if O'Reilly's eating up five million of it, you know, then they're going to have to find a lot of guys like me <laughs> that don't make a lot of money. <laughs> And uh, fit them under the cap. It's just so amazing. I, I think, man, just being the sports nerd that I am, I wish that there was a way that we could go inside the those GM conversations and the conversations they're having with the scouts and things like that. I just really wonder the ideas that are kicked around in there. You know what I mean? Because we all have our theories and ideas down here. Well, I really wonder what's going on up there. And especially, like, I don't think I've ever loved – a sports team executive as much as I love Army. Right. Like, a dude, like, just seems like he has far more hits than misses. And so I get pretty, like, defensive of him come trade deadline time, you know, when it was Letty or whatever, because I'm just like, guys, when, <laughs> when is he giving you a, a reason to, to doubt him? Right. Not that they've all been home runs, okay? But, dude, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Butch Nevich, you know what I'm saying? God bless Sammy Blay, and I know we got hurt, but, like, that was a freaking steal. Yeah. You know, and O'Reilly from Buffalo. Yeah. Another steal. <laughs> but it's good to see Tage Thompson uh, do well up there in yeah, Buffalo, you sign had a to big deal, deal. Somebody in that trade, right? Yeah, to get you, Ryan. You can, yeah. I also don't understand that. When the fans are like, they, they expect the whole, we give them nothing and we get all of this back in return. <laughs> like, you idiots. Why would they do that? I don't right. even understand. Donnie, I could, I could tweet right now, uh, you know, live right here, live tweet that uh, the Blues have traded. Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas for some obscure six defenseman, and I guarantee you that some of the responses would be, "Well, in Army we trust." 
<laughs> All right, yeah, maybe that's taking it a and, little bit too no, far. No, and, and he does deserve it because, you know, somebody sent me a file one time of uh, all his trades, Doug Armstrong's trades, and so I'm kind of scanning down it, and I go, that was a good one. Okay, that was a good one. Another good one. Another good It's like, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. And and it, it speaks for itself. 12 years here, uh, the Blues, I think they have like the second or third best points percentage in that 12 years. They got the Stanley Cup that eluded them. You know, it goes on and on. I, I personally think that Doug is going to be a Hall of Famer. I sure hope so. I mean, because didn't he he won one as the assistant GM in Dallas too, right? right? And then not to mention all of his contributions to hockey, to Canada. hockey Canada and right. things like that. It's just it's incredible. Also, too, in the couple times that I have been up into the press box, uh, I see him up there, and boy, you talk about an intimidating looking <laughs> dude, man! <laughs> like there will never be a time that I hey. I'm Donnie. There will never, ever be that time because he just look. He looks tough. Yeah. Man. Well, let me tell you this: is there are a lot of times where I need an interview with him, or you need a couple topics that you got to talk about for a story that you're doing, and you, yeah, you do. You're up in the press box. You're 20 feet away. You kind of glance over there and you just look. At, you know, does he look like he's in the mood to talk? <laughs> There's been a lot of times where I say, "Oh, now's not the time." Yeah, yeah. We'll get him tomorrow. <laughs> Jeremy, Jr. Thank you so much oh, for fun. taking the time today. We appreciate it, and and I'm sure that we will have you back at some point or the other uh, during the course of the 2020. 2023 Blues campaign. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for calling, buddy. And I think I'm actually going to use that press pass a little bit this Let's year. Let's do it. Let's do I it. I think so. I still think, I, I'm, but I'm still not to the point where I feel like I belong. So. Oh, no. Yeah, you do. Get well, down there. Well, I got a spot right next to me. Well, it was crazy. The first playoff, I saw you in one of the playoff games last year. I was sitting next to Alex, and like the way that the game started, my insides are exploding, <laughs> and, and, and I'm sitting there going, hmm, well, that's not good. You yeah. know, like trying to be the pro about it, it, but that's tough, man. Donnie, I started out as a cub reporter. I was uh, just the guy who uh, went and grabbed quotes and fed them to the post-dispatch writers, and then they wrote the story. But I'll never forget one of my first two or three games. I'm sitting in the press box, and I'll never forget it was like Essa Tekin in behind the net. He throws it out. Hall shoots. He scores. I stand up. I go, yes, like that, because I grew up in St. Louis. Us, right, I remember for, uh, Dave Luking goes, "Hey, hey, hey, sit down, sit down." <laughs> <laughs> I had not heard that name in forever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was a post dispatch name from the past. <laughs> you know, it's so crazy though. But and I know we're going to let you go, but um, it's really wonderful to get a chance to talk to you, Jeremy, because you know, over the course of my life as a sports fan, there has been so many tremendous sports writers that I have learned so much about the game and the team and you're absolutely one of those guys At the man. Bottom, yeah. No, stop <laughs> that. No, I genuinely mean that, man. I, no, I love it, man. I love reading your stuff and then it's just and and I don't think that the fans and I think we probably do like just understand how much we're learning from you guys uh, along this process that it's just uh you know when I get to a chance to to BS with you and talk about yelling at my neighbor and the blues it's a really <laughs> great thing that I get to do and I appreciate it a lot. No, I appreciate it. I just real quick I feel blessed that I've been put in a position to cover the blues. I always wanted to be a sports writer. I'm from St. Louis. To be able to follow that Stanley Cup run the entire way up close was unbelievable. But in terms of what you're talking about, I've always felt like you know, to, to be able to be the person who delivers the news to Blues fans, whether it be via Twitter, all those years at the Post-Dispatch, or The Athletic. Look, they could take somebody else and put them in my position tomorrow, and people would, uh, you know, follow their coverage and look to them as the person who, you know, over these years has, has kind of brought things to them. So I'm just a person who's in this spot, uh, but, you know, in 18 years of doing this, I've always felt, you know, what an honor to be the guy who's sending the message. Now the guy or gal at work is checking their Twitter feed and they see what's the latest on the blues. You know, to be able to be the facilitator of that has been a lot of fun. Well, and also, too, the athletic is amazing. Not only your coverage for the blues, but my Cardinal coverage. I 
man, I read so much about my Buffalo Bills through the athletic, and also too, I'm three and zero in both my fantasy oh, leagues because of the fantasy football oh, awesome. uh, on the athletic app. <laughs> it is absolutely one of the best subscriptions that I have every month. Thank you. So man. you're doing wonderful work, Jeremy, and thank you for 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 joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Donnie. All right, last minute blues podcast for Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, and Jeremy Rutherford. It's Donnie Fandango. As always, let's go blues. The last minute blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.